It's Behind the Bots Time! This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest. Multi-time Golden Dumpster winner and now 2023 Giant Nut runner-up Jonathan Schultz. Huge had an outstanding season at World Championship 7, going 4-0 in the qualifying round and remaining undefeated until the championship match. So many things seem to be working for the team this year, and it's been incredible for fans of Huge to watch. Somehow, this is only Jonathan's second time on the podcast. His first appearance was way back in our fifth episode in June of 2019. Now, before we get to fan questions, we have so many. I just want to say that I am so happy to see how far Huge has come this year, especially after getting a tough break for a few seasons. Welcome to the Joe, Jonathan. And how do you feel before you came into this season? Uh, hi, it's good to be back. It's been a while. Um, you know, coming into the season was very much a feeling of that that it was time to 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 do it or don't. We we felt really positive on huge last year even though it didn't pan out all that well and we said if this is if this one's if if it's going to work out this is the one that's going to work out and uh, clearly it did um but that was our feeling going in it was like hope but a little bit of just nervous and hope it works out but but really a good feeling it uh, i can't as a huge fan as a huge huge fan i cannot even begin to express how proud I am of you and the team. Like you had such an awesome team uh, there with you in the pits. Uh, is there? Um, do you want to? Do you want to share some of the names and some of the uh, some of the roles that you had across the team? Oh God, yeah. So that's one of my favorite fun facts about Team Huge is that all of them individually pretty much have better competitive records than I do when I'm alone, um, which I feel like is a positive thing. Um, so the team started as, uh, myself and my college roommate, Peter Lombardo, uh, who has podiumed with his sportsman lifter multiple times at Motorama, uh, and my girlfriend, Maddie Thumma, who has been here from the start and understands robots way better than she thinks she does. Um, then we added Garrett Santolini, who's done high school robots, or he started in high school, like 13 years ago, done a ton of robots, uh, his last solo outing with a robot. Uh, he beat up Tiny Huge and stole its lunch money repeatedly um, <laughs> and ripped the wheels off. It was a whole mess. Um, we have added Don and Joe Dorfler after the first season, and they're amazing, and they're amazingly experienced, and they've won everything, it feels like. Um, and then uh, for this season, added Brendan Steele, uh, better known as Business Cat, uh, famous for Ramplan, but also his first robot was a huge as well, and that was how we met was when he reached out and said, Hi, I built this. What do you think? Um, and we got to talking and, and comparing notes, and and you know that's that's a good experience when you're building huges. It, it, it's helpful for you know new perspectives and, and stuff. And even people who aren't on the team, I talk with a lot who have the other huge builds like Tom Brewster with Straddle and and Matt Lampett with Captain Jack, um, compare notes and stuff. So yeah, I I love my team. It would not be possible without the whole team, uh, and they really truly make it better than I would ever be able to do myself. Um, so they're they're just a great group of people. They're super devoted to the design uh, and they work really, really, really hard once we get there because the robot lives at my house. So usually by the time 
I get there, I'm already drained. Um, and they just take the reins and absolutely drag it <laughs> the rest of the way across the finish line and, and into battle. So, you know, it, it's they don't get enough credit on the show. It was it was one of my favorite anecdotes from the from the entire uh, being there, the pit experience, seeing the teams uh, that you had basically like this Avengers team of people that all have huge experience just in, yeah. in different weight classes. It's like Voltron where like you all came together yes. and maybe that was the perfect formula for why, you know, huge was just absolutely dominant this season, right up into the last seconds of, you know, this world championship season. It was, it was like, it was, the stars were just aligned. And and I think where a lot of their help comes in too is, you know, there was talk about my driving and stuff this year. And I think a lot of that is driving very confidently and very aggressively. And, you know, when like John and Joe will bring a huge out and sweep a Norwalk every once in a while. And, and that's the type of thing where I can watch and learn from how they build it, how aggressive it is, how they drive it um, and learn from other people too. You know, the huges that were Jonathan era, Huges, way back when. They spun up really slow. They didn't do a whole lot of damage. It was very defensive focused. And and it took other people to change my mind that you can have a huge that's going to spin up in two seconds and be murder huge and chase people down. And that I, I didn't think it was technically possible. And and people went and, and Don and Joe went to and proved me wrong. And I said, well, okay, this is, this is how the big one needs to work. Cause this is a lot better. <laughs> um, and I think this year was what everyone, that was everyone's first taste of, of it and us figuring it out at the heavyweight level to be able to fit that idea in our head of, of how we wanted it to work. Um, and it's, it's a tough thing to get ready for because you don't have a whole lot of chances to, to take hits at a huge that works like that. I mean, speaking of getting getting ready, there was a chance that we might not have even seen huge this season. Tom Brisbane uh, started off, starts us off with a great question. Uh, first of all, congratulations, Team Huge. Uh, what was the match that inspired you and the team to give Huge another try, given you contemplated retiring Huge after World Championship 6? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. So there was one match. There was a specific match. Um because like we had the, the flip side of if this is the year, you know, if this is the huge that's going to do it, it's going to do it type thinking is if this huge can't do it, none of them will. Um, so a lot of this huge's crazy weapon was on 2021's robot. Um, but as soon as it hit anything, it would kill itself in some myriad way. Um, so we fought Captain Shredderator in 2021 as our grudge match on the very last day. Um, and they had custom built an all steel shell with giant sharpened blades sticking out the sides. It was a massive, it was, there was no plastic on top. Um, and we just come off of three straight tall vertical spinner fights and lost two of them, the two important ones. Uh, and we were feeling pretty down and we went and just punched clean through the side of this steel shell, like in the side and out the top and through it through Captain Shredder and broke ourselves immediately upon doing that. It never spun up to fold ever again for the rest of the fight. Um, <laughs> but just seeing that robot do that and take a bunch of hits from a blade like that, which was our other white whale for all those years, the whole ice wave thing was like, 
you know, that was the actual moment of the, we really have something here um, that helped, you know, just leave on a positive note and leave with hope for the future. And that, that was the moment where we said, I guess we are coming back next year because we need, we have a point to prove still. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's BattleBots is, is very hard. It takes a ton of time, a ton of effort. And, and I don't blame anybody who, if, if they're not having fun and they're not getting out of it, what they want retiring, um, plenty of builders have, and that's, that's where the discussion came from was after 2020 and 2021, we're barely on the show. We don't go anywhere in the playoffs. It's like, is this really how we want to be spending our lives? You know, uh, I'm just glad it worked out. I'm glad we came back. Glad we, we believed in, in this build and this version of it. Glad we could fix all the things that had it killing itself. Um, and, and this is a result. I have a great follow-up question from Will Hahn, who asks, was there a point during this season where you realized, hey, we have something special going on here? Ooh, um, I don't think I was truly comfortable until after we were through Scorpios. Like, I, I the Shatter fight was probably the first time we had that feeling, actually. Because Shatter is an amazing robot and it's amazingly defensive. Um, and we had such a track record of having something not work out right in our first fight that it all just worked in our first fight and it was amazing. Um, so we were like, damn, this this really is a good huge. But um, for us, that goal was so much to want to get past the first round of the playoffs and break our curse where we lose every year in the first round. Um, and then plus seeing Scorpios and how terrifying of a robot it is for a robot like Huge which we learned later in the, the bracket. Um, once I saw that, I was I was nervous and on edge until the fight happened. And from there, I was like, okay, we're through Scorpios. It's only tiny verts from here on out. <laughs> and it's almost like you're farther in the playoffs, and yet suddenly you can exhale a little bit because mm. I've reached the goal. You know, I, We've gotten back to the round of 16 for the first time in years. And and from here on out, it's, it's can we do what we said we're going to do only? And, and there's nothing external anymore. There's no matchup things. There's no anything like that. It's just if we can do what we said we're going to do, we're going to keep going. Ryder Liangle has some fun questions uh, for you to think about uh, regarding this season. Do you think BattleBots will be more afraid than ever to give you matchups against Metaverts now that you successfully showed them what Huge is meant to do? That's a good question. It, you lose a lot of sleep trying to imagine what BattleBots is thinking sometimes because you can almost explain it in either direction if you think too hard about it. Um, in some sense, that's the the problem with hand-picked fights is, is it's always someone's fault versus if it's the first round of a random bracket and you get Tombstone, you're just like, well, that's luck. And then you go die to Tombstone. Um, I think that we'll probably get one, I hope, if you're listening selection committee, um, one or two to kind of you know, now that people know, now that the fans know, and now that I think we have a higher standing, we deserve to spoil someone else's schedule. Um, but I don't think that it's going to be the type of schedule that most, you know, people who've done well get, which is a nonstop string of the top vertical spinners, which is usually where, where, you know, a lot, a lot of the robots end up with after you do well is you get a like whiplash and stuff. You get nonstop string of, of tantrum hypershock, mad catter type, mm. you know, top vertical spinners. I, I think they're going to definitely shake it up and probably throw in some rematches or just some, you know, tee we know this is a hard counter type 
that's actually a good story. So the, the the first uh the first year at BattleBots, the producer is like, "Who's your worst? Who's the worst possible person you could fight?" And I said, "Ice Wave." And the second year, they're like, "Who's the worst possible person you can fight?" And I was like, "Well, we fought Ice Wave, so now it's Senoyachi." And then after getting those robots both times, I don't answer that. They still ask. I don't answer that question anymore. I'm just like, I know your tricks. I know your game. <laughs> Ryder goes on to ask, how worried were you seeing the fights on the other side of the bracket? And I, I know you can't overlook the, your side, but when you saw the bracket, uh, you know, Ryder thought that your side was made for a huge to sweep. Uh, and, and, and Ryder wonders, which bot on the other side you most wanted and least wanted in a championship fight? Um, so it, it is a thing with huges because, you know, we're so matchup dependent. We have a chance against counters, but we're a lot happier if we don't have to fight them. Um, and, and we keep an eye out on the bracket for the people who are dangerous. So the tall vertical spinners, your blood sports, and your saw blazes and scorpioses. So first round, we're just worried about Scorpios. We're terrified of Scorpios. Um, and from there is is clearly, obviously, most of the thought is going into our fight coming up. Um, but there is a part of us that's like rooting against Sablaze a little bit and, and stuff like that. Because, you know, Monsoon, like we, we just know the, the clearer the bracket can be, the better. And, you know. Every round, Sablaze is winning. They find a way to win against Minotaur and they sweep right through uh, Rabat, and we're just like, oh, this is what it's going to be. It's going to, you know, we fought Jameson before. Uh, we fought Megatron with Small Huge before. It was a long time ago. Huge didn't work that well back then. Um, but it's just, it's it's not healthy for a Huge. Um, it, it's not a good matchup for us. So, you know, we, we were keeping an eye out on the people in the bracket, and, and most of them fell, um, but one didn't. That was the person we were keeping an eye on the whole time. All right, I have a question from huge superfan Marissa St. John, who wants to know, first off, you've been my absolute favorite team in bot since the very beginning. I am so happy and so proud for you and your whole team. In the Scorpios fight, we saw Zach and Diana clip off Huge's wheel bars. What difference did it make in how Huge operated and drove, and how important are they to his overall design? Oh, that's it. So... When we used to show off huge, we didn't have an option to have short bars on it. So they would always be on there at like maker fairs and stuff. And so often people would ask me if these are on the robot when it's on TV, because people just never noticed them that they were there. Um, the idea is that when huge tips over, they'll keep it from falling flat on its wheel. Um, theoretically, if they were to fall off, uh, we would be able to land dead flat on our wheel and, and get stuck there. There is potentially some amount of flailing and spinning down the blade that can get us back from that position. But when you're fighting playoff fights against playoff quality robots who've won, you know, brackets before, like Scorpios has, um, you want the poles on. You don't want to be thinking about something else. You want to be thinking about about the fight in front of you. Um, and so them, you know, them being able to hit one pole then the second pole, I think, shows off how clear their strategy was and, and how focused they were on it. And then the quality of their driving to go get what they were looking for. Um, in, in anything, it's just luck that they actually sucked the pole through the arm and it damaged their chain and knocked off the weapon chain. 
on Scorpios. Uh, and we noticed the chain boxside because it, it's very loud when it spins up. Uh, and then suddenly it got very quiet. And my driving kind of changed in that moment to be a lot more aggressive, um, knowing that they didn't have a saw blade anymore. Uh, and, and that's what helped make the fight end end pretty quickly after mm. that. Um, but yeah, they were they were they had a strategy and they're executing the strategy. And theoretically, we fall on our side. You know, maybe we can get back, but there's a chance that they just plunk the frame when we're on our side and then it's lights out. So, yeah, we were very scared of Scorpios like that, that. It, it, yeah, it's a, a matchup with a disparity in the the seating, but they're huge just so matchup dependent that 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 type of robot is is super dangerous. Uh, Marissa goes on to ask, "This is the first time that I can recall that we see Huge have a special configuration for an opponent. I called them his eyebrows. Do you have any other special configurations for any specific opponents, and can you share what they are?" Or maybe what specific bot they are for. If not, I totally understand. <laughs> I'll keep something secret. Um, we had sideburns on for Shatter, which I think we posted some pictures of. But they they just covered the drive pulleys, um, and then those we were calling them the sunglasses, but I like eyelashes too. That works. Uh, we actually had them on for Sawblaze, but we painted them because we had the time that day. Um, to to well we had the time the day before we 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 were preparing one way or another for everybody and um we're like well let's make the face armor we actually painted it white so with the armor we ran for sablaze was tegris spaced about an inch and a half away from the front of the frame so he had a lot of of plastic to get through before he could touch the bodies um just trying to keep things a little more clean looking and we I didn't love how it looked <laughs> against Scorpios. And I was like, if we're in the finals and we look like that, uh, I'm going to feel sad. So we had to make it look right. Um, otherwise, we've got a lot of little attachments, little, you know, extra top plate layers when we're fighting Starchild and Shatter and that sort of thing. Um, but we try and keep it subtle intentionally because I think it it, it it's helpful to have huge look like huge in every fight. Uh, we want it to be that way both for the tv angle um but also because i think it's a little bit more intimidating for an opponent when it's the huge team wandering out with the exact same robot for like the 30 second fight in a row i think it exudes a little bit of confidence mm. so so marissa's last question that i have here is last question do you know how fast or slow huge actually moves with each different set of wheels sincerely number one huge fan p.s new huge merch when <laughs> uh new huge merch when i make more because everybody bought everything <laughs> that i have for sale um and we're out of everything but uh i think it's somewhere in the realm of 14 or 15 miles an hour i haven't done the math recently um it doesn't accelerate all that fast which is just part of driving a huge is, is accounting for that um and that's because it doesn't have a whole lot of grip the wheels are pretty skinny but yeah, it's it's when it actually gets going, it it can pull off a pretty quick rush. So like we box rushed against Mad Catter, um, to try and throw him off. We tried to box rush against Scorpios, but they tried to box rush against us, and I think they beat us to <laughs> the middle <laughs> and and hit us on our side of the arena. Um, it can get going pretty quick, but it, it's definitely I understand why people call it lumbering. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever gonna be like. 
huge races across the arena. You know, it, it just doesn't it doesn't give that energy when you watch it. <laughs> so yeah. It, it it's a slow and steady acceleration, but we can get going pretty fast when we when we have the rim. I um I subscribe to the philosophy crazy always beats big, but nothing beats big and crazy. So I don't know if I'd call it lumbering. <laughs> I would call it big and crazy. Uh but I, I <laughs> I can watch it and know what I'm intending to do. But as long as everyone else thinks that it's crazy, then I'm doing something right. <laughs> if people think they can't predict it, they don't know what I'm doing with the driving, that's that's exactly what I want. And sometimes I even change up, you know, what I do at the start, or what I do in certain parts of the fight just to uh you know, try not to be super consistent and try not to be you know, the exact same driver every fight cuz I don't want people to be able to game plan too hard. Um, but they have enough footage at this point. They could probably still figure it all out. Alex Pick, builder of Zane and Slingbot, wants to know. Uh, it's actually two questions, kind of in the same vein. It looks like Huge spun up a lot faster this season, which made the strategy of getting between the wheels right away a lot less effective. What changes led to this? And also, Alex asks, uh, now that your weapon is more powerful, do you want another shot at your closest opponent ever, Moist Pony? <laughs> I would take another moist pony fight for sure. Um, I might actually be able to track it down this time because last time I really honestly couldn't catch it because it was a little RC car that could actually turn. Um, yeah, so the spinning up faster this year was uh, to some extent power, uh, to some extent reliability because, uh, like I said, the other one was hurting itself a lot. So you'd see one good spin up and then it wouldn't be as good after that. Um, but also... Um, I think it was the the blades and stuff. I, I've been kind of a a big proponent, you know, around the Norwalk Discord and in builder circles, and trying to tell people it's like, if you're optimizing your robot to store the most energy possible, you may not be optimizing for the right thing, depending on how you actually win fights. You know, we know huge wins fights by not letting people get under the blade. It's a little bit more worth it if we get up to speed faster and hit you at, you know, upper medium, then send you to the moon every time I hit you, but it takes us 10 seconds to get there. So we uh, watched our old fights, and we said, okay, some combo of, of my monkey brain go forwards driving and the opponent's speed gives me about three seconds to spin up. So this thing needs to spin up in three seconds, or we're going to die. And that was one of our design choices and, and goals, because... You know, how does he would join a fight? Wins a fight by hitting the other guy at full speed 20 times. Step one is get to full speed. So that that was kind of how we set our our uh, design goals for this robot. And, and getting to spin up that fast obviously paid off a lot with, with just the ability to be, you know, much more aggressive, much more on the attack and keep people from sitting under the robot. Even like super fast people like like your your blips and stuff. Francois Farol Pelsier asks, well, first, congrats for the year with the truly amazing bot. Now, last year, Hydra showed one downside of a design like Huge. It's not the best in pushing matches. Now, that rule changed, but did you also change something to prevent this kind of situation from happening again? We have. Um, and I, I did like about the Star Child fight that once we're on an even playing field, we were actually kind of pushing each other around. 
um, because there's just so little grip in the equation that, that it comes back into the strategy. Um, but yeah, so we've we've got tactical changes on on how we would fight a bike rack again. Um, I'm not going to spew all of them out there, but we've actually done a lot of testing um, in little robots and um, Brendan's big in the Gary's Mod Robots world, and we made a Gary's Mod bike rack and tested different wheel designs with that. A lot of the, you know, some things people have tried, some things people haven't, um, and then we've had the opportunity in the past to actually try it in one fight, um, and it worked out pretty well. So I think uh, we know what to do, mm-hmm. and we've we've spread that info around to the other huge builders around just in case. Um, but we try not to be too too loud about it. <laughs> let let certain people shout about how smart they are uh, off to the side, and we just say, you know, you, you just wait. Is there we, we've got a is plan. there like a special uh, huge builders like horn that you blow for you all to like assemble somewhere so you can share information? No, it's just my Facebook Messenger inbox. <laughs> talk to me. I really need to make, I need to make a Discord or something because like they I'm the lightning rod. Like if someone builds one, they just like send me pics of it, which is great. <laughs> and I love it. Um, but, you know, I, I think it'll eventually hit the point where um, people will build them without feeling the need to kind of tag it as a derivative. Hmm. They just say this is a style of robot. That, that's where I want to see the design go someday is that, you know, you don't feel the need to put eyes on it. You just you build your robot and, and go have fun with it because, you know, ultimately not every tombstone clone is cemetery themed. Like it's a robot type like any other. And, and I think that other people pushing big wheel stuff with different designs is, is just going to kind of more normalize it in that way and, and really help. Um, you know, there's the undercutters, there's the big horizontals, there's star child. Like I think it, it's, it's better long-term if we just train everybody that they can slap big wheels on something and it'll give them a lot of benefits. Yeah. Yeah. It always starts with a pioneer and then it just becomes a format, right? It just becomes like, this is a, this is a new formula. And you, you would. Right. And it, it's got trade-offs like any other, you know, drum on a robot versus skinny vertical spinner is, is a list of trade-offs that you make a decision. Well, big wheels gives you these advantages and, and you lose to deep six and it gives you these disadvantages. Yeah. So, you know, that's the bet people can take. I think, I think more people should take it. Wheels aren't that expensive for a beetle weight. It's like $10. Just make them for the heavyweight. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can imagine, especially with like things like Tegris and stuff being introduced, that that uh, that is, uh, yeah, it's a, it gets a little, probably a, a little bit more pricey. You grit your teeth when you're buying mm-hmm. it, but at, at that point, you're you know, for us, Tegris was something where we knew of like this is what the future is going to be for this style of design uh, for certain fights where you need it, which isn't every fight, um, but certain fights where you need it, and and. You spend enough to be at BattleBots. You spend enough on the robot. If you throw it all away because you didn't want to spend a little, little extra on wheels, then it's going to cost you more in the long run trying to compete without the new tech than having the new tech to protect you and use it for future fights as well. All right. From Martin Zietz, uh, first, Martin says, congrats on the run. It was so fun to watch your team this year. And Martin wants to know, did you consider spinning downwards against Sawblaze to avoid the plow and hit it directly on the idler? If so, what were the reasons against it? Um, we did. Um, it's one of the things we're always thinking of for for as we see armor going together on opponents. We're always kind of on the fly trying to figure out what people are going to do. Um, down was a, a thought because the idler is is quite 
juicy in the middle. Um, the worry was that we wouldn't hit it. And then now we're very much in the, the nest, so to speak. We're in the, the catch zone. And I, I wasn't sure I wanted to willfully put myself in the, in the catch zone. And it's something where now knowing that kind of, of design, we can make a config that maybe armors up the robot better suited to, to go in in that direction as well. Um, but yeah, it was just like basically what the first minute of the fight was, was the, the goal of throwing Sawblaze back and, and keeping them flipping and, and the hope to hit something right when they land awkwardly, we can go over and hit them kind of like how Minotaur did. Um, and, you know, it worked for a minute, but th that was kind of what we had in mind was it at minimum, whether or not we hit something, he's at least moving away from me. And I am safer if he's moving away from me versus uh, right up in his up in his business. So, yeah, that's why we ultimately chose to spin up. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, asking uh, it, it's like the, the rebellion in Star Wars being like, OK, well, we're going to we're going to go fight a Death Star. The only way that we're going to be able to beat it, though, is if we fly through its defenses and then into the center of it. <laughs> uh yeah kind of crazy and right. high risk. Was, when you really look at it very high risk rebellion way to go and and similarly if you hit anything on the edges you're just gonna die because if you hit anything on the edges of the defenses or down through the tunnel you're gonna die in the death star and if you hit the edges of of what sablaze had going there we you know if you lose the spin in that situation without hitting what you're going for it's just it's doom and gloom. For yeah, me. you got to have a lot of experience so. bullseyeing womp rats back home uh, to to nail shot like that. Right. Which we did get witch doctor's pulley on the first hit and mad catter's pulley on the second hit, and so maybe maybe I should have believed in myself a little more on on the bullseyes, but um, you know it's hard to make that kind of strategy up in real time. Also, it's it's very easy to say in hindsight once you see the fight, but it's like it's totally totally new config, totally new strategy. So we're just kind of sitting there debating what's going to happen at the point where we're preparing for the yeah. fight. All right. Uh, Sumi Shik has a great follow-up question here. Uh, could Huge have lasted the whole three minutes if Sawblaze knocked off the balance bars early? I think so. It, it would have to have been... Um, there would have been much more surviving and, and struggling. Um, and if we got stuck in some way, it, it would have been like... A lot of flailing um but there's there's a, a chance that we could get back up off the side and and keep from dying um but he he did a really good job pushing us and, and tipping us over more so um than when we lost the balance bars in the past so i i think that that would have been mm. uh more risky for us so yeah but that's like i still want to feed him a wheel and, and keep him away from the the juicy bits you know so it's it's kind of a bet i was like i hope he doesn't hit the pole or I hope he sucks the pole through and takes his chain off too because worked out well last time <laughs> sumi also wants to know could the tegris wheels that you've uh, that you've added to, to huge now withstand the full force of bot like tombstone or son son of Wayachi? um i honestly don't know i mean like people if you're watching the show you're watching our testing right we don't have a tombstone here in the driveway to to test it with I'd like to think that they'd hold up better than the UHMW would. So 
that's that's the best I can I can promise. I, I do really believe in it as a material. And I think the the number of people who know what Tegris is now and who have it on their robots is, is a bit of proof to that. But like I, I still think it's it's like any horizontal. You win fast, you know. Don't don't let them have the chance. Uh it's gonna be a much happier day for huge. You know, with with fights like how we fought fusion, that's exactly what I mean. Like go all out. And, and don't let them have the chance to go at the wheels in the first place. And you're going to be a lot healthier than uh, what we did in the past, where we kind of let people mm. hit the wheels, try and slow them down. All right. I have a question here from Regan Betchler, who wants to know, Hey, Jonathan, congratulations on that amazing season. In the latest interview with the Robocast, Luke mentioned you talking to him about adjusting your strategy to account for Copperhead spinning downward. What was your original strategy and what strategy did you use to account for Copperhead spinning down? Yeah, so um, the original strategy was more of our, our normal fight a vertical spinner strategy where it's, you know, we definitely want to hit certain things, but but we'll kind of take whatever we can get in a lot of cases. It's, it's pretty general. Um, and in them spinning overhand was, you know, never seen that before. Very gutsy strategy. Um but it, it basically takes out our main play, so to speak. So the if I was to spin upwards and he was to spin downwards, we're going to get thrown across the arena like Riptide versus Hypershock type stuff. Um, so I had to match him, basically. And, and you, if you watch the fight, you see me, I'm driving backwards for a lot of it. Um, and that essentially means that he's just spinning downwards. So effectively, the direction doesn't change, but the, the robot's moving in a different direction now. Um, and so this basically makes it that now I'm downwards and he's downwards and he can't hit my spinner that hard, which is kind of what we're trying mm-hmm. to do in the upwards direction normally. Um, that's a, what I like about the this run is a lot more people are interested in, in weird, huge physics than I think they've been interested in them before. And, and this is definitely a weird, huge physics thing that I've... Uh, completely taught myself how to drive huge backwards uh pretty much just as well as as forwards and so when the the moment strikes then you got to drive backwards for some reason um i just there's no reversing switch there's no difference it's just um you just drive backwards and so huge heads in a different direction we can spin down on copperhead um and that's what ended up helping a lot for the fight because we actually were able to run over the top and hit the chains and stuff which you know, obviously the dream is to hit all of the chains and belts and, and soft bits on an opponent, but you can't say that it's, you know, I'm going to hit you right there and it's going to be perfect. It's like, you, you just hope you get the shot that you want. And, and we did. Um, and from there, it was, it, it gets easier once the opponent's losing functionality to be able to line things up for the, the extra hits. It, it, it made the fight um, look quite one-sided but that's the type of thing where if say you don't get the chain on the early hit or something else changes um you know momentum can shift in, in fights as we all saw in the final so it's just because we got the momentum early on that that lucky downwards hit and then from there it was just continue the strategy because clearly it's working regan goes on to ask and this is a fun question assuming weight and attachments weren't an issue what bot would you love to see with huge's wheels oh my god um <laughs> I think that, I mean, there's been little ones before, so I know how chaotic they can be. Um, but Tombstone, just swinging underneath, I think would just be amazing. Like the ability to to put 
you know, either it can drive slowly and it's just like kind of angled tombstone or it can whack back and forth and you basically get thwacking tombstone onto your head. Um, I think would just be the most hilarious thing. <laughs> and it might actually be good. Like Jeff uh, Waters from Jackpot has built Wumbo, a three pound. Uh, it's gone between mm. like tombstone and a big wheel undercutter and a few different iterations and stuff. But the the sheer chaos of the version that was essentially tombstone with huge wheels was like a sight to behold. Um, I, I think it would be hilarious with like Ray's level of, of driving and building and, and the amount of power he can get into a weapon, but then just feeding it directly into the floor every time he, he drives backwards too hard or, or forwards too hard. Mitch from Team Stamina has some general huge related questions. What was the inspiration for Huge? Was there a certain robot or object that inspired it? Uh, and Chad from Team Death Invaders also had this question. Uh, you know, if if you were forced to, <laughs> if you were forced at Hammersaw Point to build another style of heavyweight for BattleBots, what would you build? Um, yeah, so Huge's uh, design came from watching Gabriel on Robot Wars. Um, every year I tell the TV show cameras that, and every year they cut it because. Robot Wars is not in the BattleBots canon, probably. Um, but yeah, it, it came from watching Gabriel and Robot Wars and seeing how resi- resilient the wheels were and saying, I want to adapt this to something else. And I just built some other regular spinners at the time, a, a regular tiny vertical spinner even. Um, and and I said, well, I can take A and put some put B on it and a little bit of C and some angry eyes and we've got ourselves a huge. And it's really kept that that energy and that chaos since. Um, you know, I, I don't know what I would build if it was to be something else. Huge has been my life for, for years in this world. Um, I, I think I'd want to, I mean, a lot of like spinner builders want to build a, a control bot to try and see how it, it feels. Um, and I think that's where I would go. I would try some kind of unique shaped control bot or something like that. I think there's a lot of innovation in Huge that could let us make some, some funky shapes. I think like Smee mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I think we could do do something that maybe isn't as wide as me, um, but just has some of that that idea in it, that passive geometry, that width, that that would make a pretty good control bot too. I've been thinking like dustpan hammers a lot. It's like, what if you could just do a dustpan hammer? I feel like you you do pretty well with that, and it would be kind of funny. James from Vegemol Robotics has a great question. James begins with Jonathan. I'm a big fan of Huge. In the finale. Sawblaze's front armor cow catcher proved to drastically change the dynamics of the fight. How much advance warning did you get uh, in seeing that Sawblaze had created a huge specific attachment? And once you knew, did you have a strategy or how'd that come together to counter their counter going into the match? Um, we didn't change our defense very much. We had the defensive Sawblaze plan ready um, and, and thought up where we're armoring the body and, and that sort of thing. Um, what When I figured it out was where we fought Copperhead before Sawblaze fought Ribot. So we were already deep into prep work. And as mentioned, my amazing team is, is over there. You just split or got the blades lined up, ready to put on whichever blade for whoever we're going to fight. Um, and then Sawblaze wins. We start spying a little bit. And we see that the front is just gone. There's no front on Sawblaze. Um, and so I decided just kind of out of the blue, like, I'm going to go wander over to the welding tent. Because there's not a lot of fights happening. So 
if they're working on something, it might be a contraption and we want to know what the contraption is. Um, and so I actually wandered into the welding tent. No one from Sablaze was there, but the welder was there and that monstrosity was on the table, like barely tacked together. They must have just started. And I took a nice long look at it and <laughs> went back and we started sketching it out in, in our pit. And I was like, all right, guys, here's what it is. Here's what they're, I think they're going to do. Now what? And we just sat debating strategy and, and that from there. But that was the indication. Yeah, I, I, uh, sneaking around and, and wandering into the welding tent because you can't hide everything at BattleBots. So uh, I saw it pretty early on. Chad Williams wants to know, given that your bot is one of the few other that other teams have a specific attachments for, do you have any ideas about how to counter that in the future? Something like a modular mini bot to impede driving of those that are trying to corral huge or with some kind of, uh, you know, damaging enough of a weapon that they can't ignore it. Uh, you could call it tiny. <laughs> <laughs> We've, um, I keep writing mini bot on the whiteboard. I don't know if we'll ever do one, but it's definitely a thought, right? Because we're, you'd be the, the best mini bot in battle bots because no one else is running any ground game at all. Um, it's just weight, you know, like finding the weight for, for stuff on the robot is so hard already. The blades only like 30 something pounds. The wheels aren't that heavy. Like it's just hard to be that big and then find 10 free pounds to put into a little wedge. Um, but maybe I need one after the, after the final, we, you know, what we do as a team is we debate what we would do to, to fight huge. And if we were a certain opponent, what would we do? Um, the thing is, is, is there is the out of left field component that, you know, there's no one on team huge who's like Copperhead's going to spin the drum backwards. Like that's not an on the radar adjustment. <laughs> so we, uh, we're still always on our toes when we're at filming. The, the, the spying game is a big part of it because we're, we know we're not going to face a normal version of, of whoever we're fighting at this point, especially next season. It's, it's going to be 100% customized robots, I think. Jesse Mollen has some great attachment-related questions. Once upon a time, Tombstone was such a terrifying and destructive bot that many teams had a special anti-Tombstone configuration. Nowadays, we call them wedges. How does it feel to be responsible for perhaps the most custom bot engineering to construct anti-huge attachments for the last couple of seasons? <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that is reserved for very destructive people. And I guess that that is us these days. Um, it feels good. I mean, that's not exactly the meta shift I wanted. Um, I, wa I wanted more of a change of the field, not just everyone figuring out how to beat me while otherwise not changing their robot. But it, it, ultimately, it's a reflection, you know, it's a reflection of how hard we've worked to make huge be huge and, and be what it is and, and be as competitive as it is that we make people sit up and take notice and 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 have a plan for it even if there's only a one in ten chance that they're going to fight it um mm. i i just like to think that you know even if someone has a plan it's they're going to be their first time fighting huge and it's going to be my 50th time fighting a vertical spinner or 30th time fighting a drum or what have you um and and second time fighting star child um <laughs> but like I, I just hope that that leads to enough uh experience that we're, we're gonna know how to deal with this stuff not always i've been wrong in the past but that that's the only the only way i can hope because otherwise i'm just gonna set up all night worried about literally things we've never imagined before
Now, we're about to get into the future of Huge here in a moment when I hand you over to Lindsay, but I have one more question here from Jesse Mollen, and we kind of we kind of touched on it a little bit. We kind of danced around a little bit, but Jesse wants to know, if Huge had a face-to-face bike rack style attachment again, how would you handle that differently this time? <laughs> um, I mean, there'd be a lot of differences because that, that Huge was, wasn't that fast. Uh, the bike tire all fell off of Huge. The spin up on the blade was like 15 seconds. I think Jake would have been fine just sitting under Huge <laughs> with how weak that one was. Um, but yeah, we have some wheel customizations planned. Um, we've got some very long reaching blades planned. Um, you know, Jake is right in, in how challenging it is to drive like that for three minutes or, I mean, he only drove like that for like two minutes, but, um, you know, to, to drive that perfect for, for a fight. Um, I I think it wouldn't consistently go that way again, just because everyone's seen it, right? It's when it's the first time out and you're trying to make modifications day of, and huge is barely working already. And we have, I think we had one spare wheel showing up to that season and then Tegris, which we had never run before. Like it's, it's a different ball game. Now we show up with 10 wheels. We can cut and slice whatever we need to make whatever we need. So yeah, I, I think it wouldn't go. Uh, it'd be good TV one way or the other. Cause the last one was not. Yeah. I think you could cut through it this time or figure out a way to get through I hope it. So. Um, all right. I have, through it and through whatever's behind it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, I have some questions here about the future of Huge before we get into some random questions that we'll close out the show with. But um, first, uh, this is from Daniel Urban, um, who has the first question about Huge's future. With the success of last season, is there any way to improve Huge from here? Um, we also had, you know, a very similar question from Cole, uh, who runs Newbert at NHRL, Will Hahn, Marcus Varak Caesar, and a whole bunch of other people. A bunch of people who are like, wait, you can't make it better, can you? Please don't make it <laughs> yeah, better. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we can make it better, honestly. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of things in the weapon that we can solve that caused us to have failures against Mad Catter and Witch Doctor. And that's just reliability things. Everybody has those. Sawblaze had his during the season. Like it, it, being a good robot team means means making changes during the season about that sort of thing to make it work. Um, but I think we can keep from happening again. And then now we're talking about the type of destruction we got in those fights, but over three minutes rather than one or one and a half. Um, so reliability is always the thing. Um, but we're we're looking more at kind of more options when it comes to the blade. So I would love to be able to, like, we're not at the tip speed limit right now, and I'd love to have an option to be, um, because I think that that could really be some intense stuff <laughs> to, to, you know, not every fight, but have the option for Huge to just launch somebody would be hilarious. Um, but also it could, could help us in a couple of fights where, you know, like like the the Sobley's fight that that's a type of fight where I'd love to have maybe some more power in the spin or, or otherwise you know there's some some reasons beyond just that it would be funny and cool um, but it would also be funny <laughs> and cool <laughs> um yes I would love to see that mostly because it would be funny and cool but also terrifying <laughs> in the best way 
Right. That's that's so that way no one thinks we're cheating next year. Huge is not at the tip speed limit. I won't tell you how fast it's going, but we have a little bit of headroom above it still. And so like I, I was standing next to the test box when Ribot was spinning and Ribot is is measured like two five oh. Like they have it dialed, they engineer that sort of thing perfect. Wow. And and just the noise of what that sounds like and, and stuff is like, oh I want I want that. <laughs> that's terrifying. <laughs> Oh, I hope so. I hope uh, we see that in season eight. It'll be fun. We'll probably break ourselves. Right. Uh, so Chris Ryan um, kind of takes it a step further with uh, some questions here. He says, hey, Jonathan, congrats on the awesome run. Do you have any ideas now to keep the same thing from happening that happened in the final? Like maybe a way to protect your belts? Also, do you think now that you've been to the final, killed multiple four-wheeled four-wheel drive verts more people are going to have their eyes on you and going to come up with more counters to huge i know we kind of touched on that already but um he wants to know your response but i i know you probably want to kind of protect that a little bit <laughs> <laughs> some of it i won't tell all the secrets um i i think that there's multiple ways like belt guards are a thing that we've it's been on the list for a long time and and this definitely moved it up the list a little bit um seeing what what sablaze was going through on people i'm not sure if we had designed the belt guards we had in mind, they would have even been enough. Um, so, so it comes from from you know it's it's like best defense is a good offense. It, it's going to come from multiple angles too. Um, I made a driving mistake in the fight, um, so not doing that. Maybe more spin so we can be more offensive, faster spin up if it's possible. But then also the defensive where it would be nice to be able to take at least one hit in that situation. Uh, rather than just instant lose both belts and and cry, so <laughs> I, I think it's going to come more more wholly than than just saying, you know, at a belt guard, clap our hands and we're done. We're going to win BattleBots next year because um, I, I really think Jameson and Sawblaze are the type of team, you know, where they chose that that place to target based on what they saw we had for armor. Um, but that if we move weight from other armor into that, he's going to choose somewhere else. So um, it, it, I, I've always been kind of a win faster than you lose mentality person. And I, I think a lot of good robots are like that. You know, Bite Force was never that thick of metal on the frame, but he, he never got hit in the first place. Um, so I, I think that it's going to come more from that where we just need to win faster. Um, and, and if you win faster, then, then no one's going to ever question your armor or your built guards or anything like that. It's, it's only because, you know, we got four or five hits on Sawblaze and we spent a minute controlling them and, and that that wasn't enough to actually win the fight. Yeah, that's, that's, um, a, a good point. Um, so Steve Dufort has an interesting one, which I think we've already kind of touched on, but I want to make sure his question gets asked. Um, congrats on uh, this year's success and your deep run, which should naturally lead to a tougher qualifier schedule next year. Will this be a blessing in disguise since you're potentially face more of the vertical spinners huge was designed to be? I know you kind of touched on that, but any anything else you want to add there? A little bit. Uh, just that I, I hope he's right. I hope we do. I hope it's it's just little vertical spinners for four fights. Best of the best little vertical spinners for four fights. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it, on the one hand, the matchups favor us, but on the other hand, I, I really do actually think it would be interesting to see what, like these, these are, you know, top tier teams, uh, with a year to think about it. And I think whatever they would come up with would be really entertaining and really fun. Um, 
because you know they're they're not just going to choose to die right everyone's going to have something for next year and and i think that it would be kind of cool to see what people can come up with when really putting the the time and effort into thinking about how do i make you know how do i make witch doctor fight huge because i don't know but i think it would be cool yeah so uh that that's that that's where i think the angle of it could work um but there's definitely going to be some some hard counter somebody we lost to in the past or or someone who tore star child a new one at some point during the season and they want to see if it would happen to us <laughs> um, that sort of thing that star child <laughs> that star child fight was maybe the most violent thing i've ever seen <laughs> on television <laughs> And I mean, I just, that, that episode got a worse rating than our rating. <laughs> yeah, they had to show it like after 10 p.m. on cable because it was uh, too too graphic for. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean that's it, it, it's everything's a, a an interplay between two robots, right? And and that only happens because they built a star child that was so tough to last through all of it. Yeah, um, a lot of robots, you know, fusion lasted two hits, so could have looked like that after three minutes but it didn't make it three minutes and it's that sort of thing but that's where i think like gigabyte is kind of outstanding on what they did to star child as as someone who we have reason to to make good plans for because i, I think battlebots knows it sees that sort of thing and says hey they fought before even um and so you know that's on our list for game planning and, and that sort of thing that's such good thinking i bet you're right Trying to predict, but ultimately you got to have a plan for everybody because we always, you know, way back when we were like, oh, we're totally going to fight Nelly the Ellibot because Sarah has a tattoo of the huge eyes. And we had a whole Nelly the Ellibot plan and we never fought Nelly the Ellibot. And I was like, well, what did we make this plan for? This was, why do we try and predict <laughs> it? You know, we were fighting Gigabyte instead. <laughs> yeah the storyline was right there <laughs> it was right there she even told them i told them i wanted it, it would have been hilarious but no it wasn't meant to be but you know so it, it's hard and there's so many other externalities that go into it of, of who's available when and, and when they need to get fights through and stuff so they, they run their tv show I, I build the robot and and at this point we'll, we'll fight anybody so totally um all right so heather stringfellow asks the question that's on everybody's mind is there any way to make the wheels bigger? Also, at what point did you add the eyes to huge? Those are iconic. Oh, the eyes were on it from day one. We were in the hotel room before first competition with huge. And I kind of, we all kind of knew it needed something. And we sharpied them on the front and they were very cute. Um, and they were pretty ugly and, and huge went out and did its thing and everybody loved it. Um, and so since then, uh, my girlfriend, Maddie, she does graphic and web design stuff as a career. So I was like, we're going to sharpie them on the heavyweight. And she's like, no, you're not. Give me a minute. And, and she designed up the original Huge Eye sticker like in an hour, six years ago. And we've never changed it. And, and, and so, yeah, that that's her doing. Um, but we we could make the wheels bigger. Uh, I, I think there's a tipping point figuratively not literally um where they might be a little too big so i i've seen it like uh buttonly and star child are, are two big wheels who've gone north of the 40 inches that we do and i've seen more of of the kind of the wheel folding under them type stuff 
and I don't know if that's material or construction or, or what, but I think that there is, it comes a point where it's, it's more likely to fold like that. I mean, all this is, is weird big wheel physics that are impossible to explain, but for that reason, it's like, I don't know if I want to go bigger. We're doing pretty good as we are now. Um, and we probably bigger. won't. <laughs> I want to do wider. The wider I am, the more people can fit. Okay, yeah. Unless you all start getting taller, I don't have much to worry about. But if but if I keep getting wider, then I can I can keep corralling people, and and you know that's when we really get get going good in a fight is when somebody's between the wheels and and we're getting hits in on them. So if you don't fit between the wheels, we're gonna have a bad day. <laughs> Um, all right. Elaine Milton has another question about your wheels. Um, are there any new materials that you have thought of, of making new, uh, huge wheels out of? I thought the Tegris wheels were beautiful at first and thought they proved tougher than UHMW. Is there a reason you don't run them all the time? Thanks. And congrats on your fantastic season. Well, thank you. Um, I have been thinking about little robots and stuff. And I, I feel like some of the rubber 3D printing that's been going on a lot could definitely produce some huge wheels that would have interesting characteristics. It might be a little too soft. Um, how that gets scaled up, who knows? But uh, time will tell and 3D printing technology moves fast or, or maybe sheets of rubber, more traditional materials like that. Um, Tegris is a crazy out there material. It's, it's hard to come by uh, and it's not cheap. So some of it is is about you know, not wanting to run in every single fight. Um, but there's sometimes where it's beneficial to have the softer wheels. Because um, the UHMW is softer. So, you know, we're going to land a little bit more softly, not get hit as hard, that sort of thing. Um, and that's why they still come out. Beyond the, I, I, I like how the Tegris looks, but to me, huge has, you know, it's the white wheels. Like, that, that that's the look to me. Um, when we bring it to shows and stuff, it's always with the white wheels on it. So, that that that's part of it is it's like ah this is huge this is what it's supposed to look like once the wheel the white wheels are on it all right so the time has come for our random question section and the first one here this will be the good one there's like a lot of weird <laughs> ones that i think are inside jokes from your own team members <laughs> oh we're gonna we'll see then i didn't i didn't pre-read the questions oh good uh mostly I only saw so we'll we'll see how this goes. However, uh, the first one here is very very important. Um, it comes from behind the bots' very own editor extraordinaire and huge super fan Nicole Egidio. Shout out Nicole who is listening to this as she edits right now. Uh, we love you. Um, <laughs> her question is: This could be a question for any builder or team, but it seems particularly relevant giving uh how huge huge is how do you actually deal with the robot like logistically where do you store it and its extra parts and how do you even transport it to events oh so that's fun um because a lot of people think huge has one solid bar through the whole middle of it and it does not for the reasons of saving weight to be even huger um but this means that you can kind of flat pack it so we um it's gotten down enough to a science that I can pretty much do it myself with the cart um, where I can take it apart and put it together where the blade comes off, the wheels come off, the poles and legs come off, the eyes come off really quick. And then it all fits in the back of my car. 
So I always have like a station wagon or an SUV or a minivan for whatever event that we're doing. And you can just load huge in the car in like 15 minutes, huck the wheels in on top, put the cart in there, and then we just take it out piece by piece and assemble it on site. Um, so the, the most fun time we've ever had to do that was uh, our sponsor, shout out to TTI Inc., one of our two sponsors, um, was doing their company Christmas party at a country club on the second floor <laughs> and huge was the attraction. So we bring huge to this country club very early on, not knowing the country club. Uh, we bring huge to the country club. We get in and piece by piece goes up in the elevator. And, and usually that era, this was like 2019, there was kind of some hammers involved still with putting it together and pressing things. And so we're trying to like kind of quietly whack this robot together um, in a country club. And and then we got it together and we're kind of sweaty and then we wrestled it into one piece. And then all the businessmen come in and, and they're all in suits and we're just there in our, you know, <laughs> in, in, in costume, so to speak. We're wearing the huge shirts and, and the hats and stuff. And everybody had a blast seeing it and watching the fights. And, and, and then we took it apart and put it back in the car after everybody left uh, down the elevator, down the stairs, down the driveway. Oh, yeah, that was uh, one of, you know, there, there's a lot of things with BattleBots that have uh, been up that list of, of how did we get here? And <laughs> and no one else on the earth has ever had to deal with this specific problem before. Um, and that is specifically, we are the first people in human history to have had to assemble from scratch a BattleBot on the second floor of a country club for a corporate dinner party. <laughs> that is pretty- <laughs> that is pretty fantastic. I am. Uh, I'm glad that it, in all of human history, it was you <laughs> that were able to have that uh, distinct we're honor. Blazing trails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love to think of huge at a at a country club. That's amazing. I have pictures somewhere. It's like all wood panel and nice, and and there's lighting <laughs> and just huge in the corner. That is. <laughs> with a little incredible um all right so a huge team member and golden brett winner joe dorfler wants to know hi john can you tell some awesome stories we had from this season mainly our carl's jr milkshake story i'll hang up and listen (laughs) (laughs) okay we were talking about this recently um so i'll tell the slightly long version of it when we win fights, the joke is we all get milkshakes afterwards. This kind of started, you know, in like 2019, 2020. We're in a couple fights a year, but also the team was smaller. Um, so in, in Los Angeles, we had a million options. In, in Vegas, there's a few less options. So when the team was small, you go to a Carl's Jr., who it turns out, not sponsored, outstanding milkshakes. They feel like grandma made them, made with love. It's real ice cream. <laughs> they take a while. And it's just someone in there making you a milkshake. Aww. So when you ask for three milkshakes, you get three milkshakes. When you ask for six milkshakes, they're out of ice cream. So Aww. we stopped at four Carl's Jr.'s <laughs> the entire time in the back. I think either Don or Joe... Anyone who watched SpongeBob when they were a kid remembers the Magic Conch episode, which is essentially a magic eight ball that you pull a string on. He had one and he was like, do we try another Carl's Jr.? And for like four or five straight things, it's like, no, 
stop trying, go home, like all of that. And I'm like, we're getting milkshakes. And and so we're GPSing to Carl's Juniors all over <laughs> Las Vegas. And we even, we even tried tricks of like not telling them how many milkshakes we want. So we're like, do you have milkshakes? But they saw a Ford Expedition pull up. So they just immediately say no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we ultimately give up. And we're driving back to the Airbnb. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. We'll go buy ice cream or something. And there's like a Sonic that we drive past or a DQ or something. And we're like, wait, we can go somewhere that actually wants to serve milkshakes. Uh, and so we went there and we got milkshakes. And we did that enough times that I think we didn't continue getting milkshakes after every single win this year. Because it was just a, a few too many milkshakes, which is a good problem to have. But yeah, that's our, our team, you know, ritual, celebration, what have you, is... is you know, a lot of people say it's like, ah, time for beers and celebrating. It's like, it's it's midnight or later. We're all dead tired. We've been standing for 18 hours. The last thing I need to be is hungover. <laughs> it's milkshake o'clock. So we, we go for the milkshakes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I think there was like a Shake Shack within walking distance of, uh, or not not Shake Shack, um, In-N-Out um, in walking distance. Don't they have shakes or am I they, making that up? Maybe do. I'm confused with shakes. They do, but there's usually quite a line. So we, we're trying to do Carl's Jr. Uh, good shake, and it's where we used to get it. And um, back in Los Angeles, or Long Beach, um, next door to the filming set was the locally famous Fantastic Burger. Um, and I also had Fantastic Milkshakes. So that was where it used to be, I think, way back when. And then Carl's Jr. came around as, like, trying to find places that will do it as a drive-thru <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> I love that story. And that's the other thing. They're open like 24 hours and no one is trying to get Carl's Jr. at 1 a.m. on a Monday. <laughs> Probably like like the whole staff is like, great. We can just chill out, you know, take the, the rest of the night easy. And then a car pulls right. up. And someone just showed up and was like, I'd like seven chocolate milkshakes, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably made like several Carl's Jr. employees just like take their apron off and quit. Yeah, shake their heads. Yeah, it's broken. <laughs> like lights go out in the restaurant. Yeah, so <laughs> I think we might be moving towards people who want our business a little bit more in the future, which is completely understandable. Yeah, um, but, you know, this is BattleBots is all about learning. It's all about learning from mistakes <laughs> and moving forward. Uh, i love it i love it um all right so important questions here from ryan hunter who helps run pit crew at nhrl uh firstly when are you coming to qualify this year at norwalk oh that's uh somewhat in BattleBots's hands so huge is here it mostly works it needs some help uh, but it mostly works uh, and I, I think I could probably roll it out for another event if I needed to. Uh, it's just like, will they film in August? Will they film in October? Who knows? So that that's where I, I know is that as soon as I sign up for a Norwalk, then I'm going to get a filming date. So trying to see when we know we're going to film another season, keep the focus on the big robot, um, and then wherever Norwalk can sneak in, that's where I want to be. But I will be there in June to pit crew. Kablooey Tango and potentially 12 pound huge. So you'll see me. Ah! I'll be there cheering. Um, but yeah, I think my own huges, 
they're all pretty long in the tooth. So it, it's better to have, you know, Don and Joe or Brendan representing the the huges than wheeling out my, I, I think the, the newest non-heavyweight was built in like 2019. So they're, they're very, very behind the times at this point. <laughs> well, very exciting that uh, we'll at least see you there in June, even if you're not, um, you know, uh, fighting your own bot, but uh, pick, uh, pit help is awesome. So uh, very cool. It's a big part of it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's like such an unsung, uh, you know, role um, to teams. Like, especially once you get later on um, and you've been, you know, yeah. just like, and for June going for two, you know, going, two. so it, it's going to be long, but yeah. I think is, you know, if Alex brings me a Valkyrie shirt and I can just hide in the Valkyrie shirt. Yeah. I'm just doing Kablu Tango stuff. Don't worry about me. All right. So Ryan's next question, which I think he was paid to ask by Jameson. Um, he asks, what are your plans to fight Megatron? So lay it all out there, Jonathan. <laughs> Well, first, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> I have some different plans. I have a V two. Um, what I think is an interesting thing to tease is the BattleBots was filmed in October to November first of twenty twenty two. The Norwalk December finals was December seventeenth. So everything that happened in December finals chronologically happened after BattleBots. That includes Don and Joe winning the twelve pound class uh, with a huge, which is amazing. It includes Brendan getting third and only losing to Don and Joe, which is also amazing. Um, but it also includes 30 pound huge. They matched up to fight Megatron in the winner's bracket semifinals uh, of the 30 pound class. And we both had on the robot version two configs based on the final. And there was other BattleBots builders around giggling and we were <laughs> giggling and, and no one was allowed to say anything. Um, Cause I think at this point, BattleBots was putting out, little charts and things of like, yeah, huge is the 27th ranked robot going into the season or something. Um, so we were keeping all our secrets good, but we, um, yeah, we had a, a, they had a much more, you know, planned and advanced version of, of basically what they ran in the final. And, and we had made some changes to the front armor to try and uh, b- block his, his saw a little bit better. So that's all I'll say. No guarantees it would have actually worked. Um, it was still pretty last minute, just because after BattleBots getting ready for the Norwalk Finals was like, it was it was not easy. Um, when and with the holidays around okay. too, so it, I, I have some ideas of the high effort version for later, and then or I'll bolt the low effort version back on if I just bring huge back as is again. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's fantastic and uh unfortunately uh ryan has he's for the last several episodes he's been uh asking questions written by chat gpt and it looks like he is giving uh chat gpt a little bit of a rest (laughs) so we don't have any ai overlord questions uh this time but his last one for you is you have seen huge can you build a small or a tiny and what would that be um would that be, I don't know, even tinier than Tiny Huge? I'm not sure. I don't, I mean, Tiny Huge is pretty big in the grand scheme of True. things. Um, I want to build a one-pounder at one point. I don't know if it'll be a huge. At some point, I need to build something that's not a huge because it, <laughs> it, it does get repetitive after a while. Um, I've been helping out organize the Maker Battle event in Hartford, uh, and that all came out of the Norwalks grant from the December finals as I gave it 
to the local makerspace, who's a charity. They do a lot of educational programs, and then now they're working combat robots into their their programs, and they have an arena set up, and we're doing one-pound stuff there. So uh, we were there with Huge for the first event. I don't know how often I want to <laughs> grab a 250-pound robot and drag it across the city. Um, so I think for the next event, I might just have a little one-pounder that's probably not going to be anything too complex or too try-hard or anything like that, but just something to have some fun with is, is where my my thought is for for a, a tiny beyond tiny huge i uh i remember at the very first uh norwalk i ever went to and you know what was that 20 uh 19 i guess um back when it was at 50 yeah, like 20, 30 years ago i think yeah. 30 years ago. 30 35 something like that <laughs> <laughs> um and seeing tiny huge there um was such a thrill because at that point I, I honestly didn't know a lot about the smaller weight classes um and I really had no idea like who was in the scene what to expect uh I admit that mm. freely <laughs> now um but uh getting there and and like seeing um this robot that I so beloved at you know 250 pounds seeing it just dominate <laughs> its way um, at the three pound weight class was so exciting. And I think, I think the first time we went, it was like you, I don't know that we ever stayed till the end. Cause even back then they were, they ran really long. But... It was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, back then we considered it very long, but it was like 7 PM or something yeah. like that. <laughs> now, now it's like 36 straight hours. Step in <laughs> folks. <laughs> We're not stopping until we're done. <laughs> um, but I think that- I would I would honestly love to see Tiny Huge back someday because yeah. I I think the the meta at Norwalk is just as as vertical spinnery as everywhere. Um, it's just like a, a time and bandwidth and energy thing, you know. So if anyone else out there is listening, the wheels are like ten dollars. <laughs> you can build a Tiny Huge too, and it's fun. Because most of the time, no one breaks anything on you because they can't reach you in the first place. So I, I invite anybody else. You know, it, I, I think it's a really fun way. It's a lot of fun problems to solve. Um, it's a fun robot to drive and, and wheel around the arena. And at three pound weight class, it's just so, you know, it still fits in a toolbox. So I love it. Uh, if you can't come back, I, I think. Other people can definitely fill the the void. Um, I think that maybe you have just inspired me to build my own three pound, uh, tiny huge. So. <laughs> if I had any wheels left, I'd offer them. But that's roughly when I got retired. Was when I was like, I need to make more wheels now. Probably, <laughs> you know, I'll take an event or two off. What could go wrong? And that was January twenty twenty. Wait, three so. pound Tegris <laughs> wheels. <laughs> So oh, if we want to go down the rabbit hole on the story. Yes, um, please. We have, we have Tegris because um, the Son of Wayachi fight aired in mid-2019, which was roughly around when last time I was on the podcast. And someone from a plastics manufacturer reached out and said, UHMW is the wrong material. What are you doing? We get a lot of fans who are like, what are you doing? And usually we ignore them. Use this instead. I work at a Tegris manufacturer. I own a Tegris manufacturer. I use Tegris. And he offered to send samples. He sent samples. We tested them within the limits of our ability to do so and were amazed by how springy it was. So a piece of, of like quarter and stick Tegris layered between cinder blocks with my teammate standing on it. And you hit the Tegris with a sledgehammer <laughs> and, and the 
upper cinder block and the human come off the ground. Uh, but also the Tegra springs out of the way and then bounces back to flat. And we're like, wait a minute. Oh my God, this is something. Um, so he offered to make like email back weekly. I'm like, yes, I want some. And he's like, I'll make you tiny, huge wheels off of an offcut. And he did. And I ran them at a couple Norwalks Ooh. for fights against like baby blood sport and stuff. We look way back. It's not every fight because the based on the sizing, they had to be a little bit shorter. So I could only run them for certain people. But I ran them to death. I only ever had one set. Um, I still have them. And and after that, I'm like, these are amazing. Turn Tiny Huge into a real good robot. Email the guy again. I want sheets. Give me heavyweight stuff. <laughs> He just never emails me back ever again. No. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, we found another supplier. We found out how to make it ourselves. Everything. We go years. Now we're three years deep in Tegris. We had it for the 2020 season. Coming up to 2022, Star Child needs Tegris. Mammoth needs Tegris. We could use a little bit. We wanted some another wheel or two um, to replace torn up ones. And the whole world's out of Tegris. And somehow, like, a lot of the West Coast teams got it from a supplier out there, but our supplier over here didn't have it, and we didn't call the California office because we figured they talked to each other. But anyways, um, so we're going down the list of people to call, and I call back the original company who gave me Tegris four years prior. Wow. And they had never picked up the phone forever. Maybe it's because Ricky called them. I don't think it was me. Ricky called them. <laughs> and well, we got all the Tegris we needed which was still all the Tegris they had, but it just worked out well that that was like roughly exactly what we needed <laughs> for the season. Um, so it was like 10 sheets and a bunch of offcuts and a bunch of like everything. So all the armor we had was made from that. And I literally hadn't heard from this guy in years. Like, <laughs> Are you sure you want to send him money? Like, I don't know. And you know what? He did. Tegris showed up and everything was great. So it, it, yes. it was like this total wild. This, it was a very BattleBot story of, of how you have to go through sourcing this stuff. It's, it's not easy. It's not on Senkut's end. You have to chase it down and convince someone to sell it to you. <laughs> so, okay, this is maybe like now we're going a little bit uh, too deep down. But like if this is a not very commonly used material, um, it's hard to get it's probably hard to even like experiment with if it's hard to get like how, who discovered that Tegris has a good application for battle bots. And like, was it you? Was it, was it Ricky or um, someone on like Omega? I know that they, they were also trying to source it. Do you know the story of this? So it was, um, he thought it would, um, but I wanted to try it. So we had it on the tiny, huge wheels for, the, a couple Norwalks, which made me think, okay, this can work for wheels. Um, but where it came out for other things was mostly Ricky. So he was putting oh. it on as the legs. So like the bounty hunters in 2020, it's running Tegris legs and Tegris trunk and te like all sorts of Tegris everywhere. And he was just pushing it to its limits and, and breaking it and, and trying stuff. We ran legs for a fight or two, they broke. But just understanding uh, how it worked in these applications was literally just like, well, let's put it on the robot and see what happens. But Tegris chins on for uppercut and they punched the chin and did not go through the Tegris. And wow. I was like, Wait a minute. <laughs> but it, it kind of makes sense. The the stated purpose of it, yes, it's super light, it's recyclable, it has all these benefits as a material, but mostly they use it to cover the gaps in roll cages. So if things try and poke through the roll cage, like sharp items, they don't hit the race car driver 
inside the roll cage. And, you know, from that mindset, it's like, well, this could actually do pretty well in a battle bot. It seems like it's it's trying to solve the same problem. It's trying to be as light as possible, um, but also prevent cutting, prevent ripping, prevent cracking, which was the UHMW's issue. And yeah, it, it worked out. So I hope more people reach out to me with amazing materials because now, I mean, look at it. Like how many teams have Tegris on their robots? How many people know what Tegris is? Um, for, you know, this material has been around for 20 years. They've tried it in all sorts of different products and it's like never caught on commercially outside of racing. So wow. I, I like to think secretly we're, we're helping a lot of kids out there understand plastics and, and composites a little bit better uh, as they head out into the world of engineering and adulthood than, than the average, uh, average kid's going to know. And yeah, not just kids learn more about plastics. Uh, also, you know, 34 year old uh, people named Lindsay. <laughs> See, me too like I, I this isn't what you know professionally i'm an engineer but i don't professionally do plastics stuff um so i'm, I'm not the total uh end all be all when it comes to knowing everything that, that's out there but I, I think it just helps that people see huge and want to share ideas and want to help and then through that you end up getting this knowledge from from people who are in the know so it inspires people damn it <laughs> All right, so uh, the next question here is from Pearl Gray, who is a Bloodsport team member and builder of Data Collector, um, uh, who has a fun question here. What are your favorite ways to mess with BattleBots interviews? Uh, and please uh, tell us, because I'd love to get your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so advice point of it is that if you don't want to answer a question, just tell them that, because they're okay with that generally. And, and if, you know, they ask you a question to say something really mean about someone and you don't want to do that because you don't want to look like the villain, don't. Um, advice for anybody listening. But what my favorite I was doing that they cut all of, and I maybe I get it, maybe it didn't come off that funny, um, but when we were doing the post show with uh, Martin Mason and he was going full Martin Mason with the hands and the shouting, um, I started standing behind him and just kind of mimicking the hands <laughs> and, and, and pointing and everything. I was having fun. I heard people giggling behind me, but I, I don't know if it came off as well on camera because they didn't include any of it. So I was having fun with that. We try and have people in the background, like eating at the wheel table or, or otherwise doing silly stuff in the robot. But like, it, it, it's, it's one of those things you got to be careful what you give them because they'll use it and you better hope it comes off funny or, or, make sense what you're saying because they like you if you watch the interviews closely they they chop the interviews up really good so um they'll they'll take whatever they can get yeah and i you know who knows who knows uh when they'll use it too like depending on what you're giving them they might use it for something completely different yes yes they've pulled like um adam had it in his riptide episode thing where him like standing them over them, weighing it was stitched together out of other stuff. It's all TV magic, you know, and, and um, the, they, the point is give them a good story to tell about you and, and make it easy for them. Uh, and, and then they'll make a good story to tell. So you, you give them good interviews, you're consistent, you talk about, you know, a, a clear thing. Don't just say, Oh, we're here to have fun. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's important to, to have something for them to work with too, because ultimately they are TV people and they know what robot people are like. 
um, but you can play their game a little bit and, and help yourself because they're going to ask you, you know, the, the worst thing is to have them ask you of like, so what are you going to do in the next fight? Oh, we're going to avoid the flipper. <laughs> no, talk about, talk about something else. It, add, it adds flavor. It adds interesting things. Talk about how much it means to you. Talk about how hard you work. Talk about your team. Talk about, you know, that sort of stuff. People like that anyways, but it, it makes for a more interesting interview. Don't say we're going to go around the back and have to avoid their wedgelets. And everyone heard that about <laughs> So that, that's my advice as someone who's who is not a public speaker, but has done somehow this many years of reality TV interviews is is you got to um, you got to help them help you. And, and you want them to ask you good questions that you can answer and, and, and tell your story and, and um, show people why they should care about you and your robot. So, you know, if you help them a little bit, they'll they'll help you look good. I love it. Beautiful answer. Um, our next question here is from Lindsay Eureko, who asks a question I think we have all probably asked ourselves and are wondering, um, and maybe, you know, you have an answer to, um, when is huge getting your own hex bug? Oh my God. <laughs> I really want one. I, there's no I better robot. <laughs> well, now we're good. So that we have that angle too. So like, I don't, yeah. I don't... <laughs> I don't know where they would put the battery. That's that's one of my first thoughts. Is like I don't know where a AAA battery fits um, in it. Uh, and, and I've when they used to uh, the Hexbug team used to come and do interviews in the pits, and we'd needle them before, and they said, "Ah, it doesn't fit in the box that easily, and all that stuff." And I was like, "You'd sell a thousand if you make them, because I'd buy nine hundred and ninety nine and my mom would buy the thousand. So, <laughs> the that that's we're just fingers crossed and hoping as much as everybody. I, I have no idea how that selection process works. And and I've frankly been surprised at how that is a secret that generally stays secret even amongst the builders. So uh, if it happens, yeah. amazing. But if it doesn't happen, I'm I'm still gonna buy whatever they do make because I have them all here and I have all the battle bus toys from when I was a little kid that we had the old RC ones and stuff. So um I'm still the, the fan. They need to make a huge one now so that you can like sit at home and like practice against Sawblaze. You know, like <laughs> have a, a million times to <laughs> to really get that experience in against them. <laughs> no, just flip the flip the sawblaze over and turn it off and just wail on it to get the pain out. Right. Kids, you um, can reenact huge losing. No, <laughs> pick someone else. <laughs> um, everyone's favorite business cat, Brendan Steele, who is a huge team member and builder of Ramplan, uh, wants to know why are you wrong about the lasagna question, John? Uh, don't know this one. Don't get it. Hopefully, you do. I do. Um, in our Reddit AMAs, someone asked a question about if two lasagnas are stacked, is it one lasagna or not? And we've pretty much been fighting about it for about 18 months since we got asked that question the first time. I'm of team, it's still two pieces of lasagna because no one's going to make an eight inch deep lasagna and there's not going to be a crispy layer of cheese halfway up your lasagna. But they, Brendan is more of team, it's now one tall lasagna. And there are a lot of uh, team members of Italian heritage who really, <laughs> frankly, have more votes uh, in this ballgame <laughs> than I do. 
and they're also team one lasagna. So I think I'm outvoted. Um, but at this point, you know, it, it's important to choose a hill to die on, you know, and uh, it feels like a good hill. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not Italian, although I am married to one. Um, <laughs> I'm in the back, uh, just yelling in Italian wildly. Um, Italian gibberish. If I if I say it like that, it's inconsiderate. Only he can pronounce it like that. Um, I, but I, you know, being someone not Italian, I I I would still say it's one piece of lasagna. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, do you cook it and there's different cheese on top than on the inside? And I feel like that top layer means something. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm reading into it too much. I don't, I don't actually eat that much lasagna, which I feel like it's, is it's an entree tiramisu. Oh, is what it is at that point. I do think that the lasagna wouldn't stick together, so when you cut it, it will just become two pieces. So I could be swayed. I could be swayed sure. to the two piece. Uh, you know, argument. I keep threatening to buy a lasagna next every time the t- the huge team is together for whatever reasons. And no one's kind of called my bluff, but at some point I think we end up buying one to to really do a, some some engineering testing. All right. Um, yes, that is a lasagna question. <laughs> I'm glad I know now. Um, uh, but our next question is from Bloodsport team member Curtis Honeycutt, who wants to know: Are giant wheeled robots the new meta? I like. I honestly, actually. It can be a silly question, but I honestly actually think there's room for more. I, I think that if BattleBots had three or four, or maybe even five, A, it feels representative to me. Right? There's a lot of hammer saws, even though that's a very new meta. Yeah, there wasn't a hammer saw on the planet until like around or after when Huge got invented. Um, I, I feel like there's room for Star Child. I feel like there's room for Huge. I feel like there's room for... Um, the undercutters that have come out there's that kill in england and wumbo and and maybe just another huge but shorter or taller or i don't know i i think it would be interesting if it wasn't just the um if we have to fight huge plan but it was kind of a, a part of the meta for everyone to have to deal with all the time because i think at that point it starts affecting robot design a little bit more and it, Personally, I think it makes more interesting robot design and a better show because you're going to get more ice waves and more blood sports. Um, but you're also going to get more like maybe more taller robots or, or bigger vertical spinners or more off the ground stuff that that is more agile than the low people. Um, I think it, it, it would be a cool, you know, evolution moment for the show as people really start thinking like, I don't know if this is the right idea anymore because I keep getting beaten up by all these silly big wheels <laughs> um all right so copperhead captain and builder of pepe sylvia rumham kitten mittens and more luke quintal wants to know you have a three pound tiny huge what would a larger huge be called larger than 250 yeah oh my. what's your super heavyweight huge <laughs> A bad idea. Um, because this doesn't even <laughs> the car. I don't know what's. I mean, you got to go either. When we went from thirty pound to two fifty, it went from capital H to capital H U G E. But maybe we just extend it. You know, ooge, or maybe we pick another word, giganto. Or, 
Oh, giganta. I would call a 500 pound huge really, 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 really big. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the original thought behind the name was that someone's going to walk up and they're going to be like, wow, that's really huge. And I'm like, yes. And then yep. I kind of cackle about it. And that's the idea uh, was that they wouldn't know it was named huge. And then I'd get my, my giggles out of it. So I, I think that they would say, oh, it's really, really big. I'm like, Yes. So I think that'll work. <laughs> I remember when I built uh, the very first iteration of Dark Side and I had sent you basically the cocktail napkin, uh, you know, drawing of, of Dark Side and you wrote, my God, it's enormous. I put that on a banner <laughs> and printed it out <laughs> and put it on my pit table. It said... <laughs> It said, my God, it's enormous in air in quotes, uh, with Jonathan Johnson. <laughs> my God, it's That's enormous amazing. might be really a really good name for a super yeah. heavyweight huge. That might be, but it does get somewhat more suggestive and potentially not super great on TV show. <laughs> Touche, touche. <laughs> so this is this is uh uh behind the bots at night. Um we have our yeah. social media platforms. Uh, and they're all BattleBot at BattleBots Huge. I'm not plugging it, I promise. It used to all be, and our URL for our website is Huge BattleBots at Huge BattleBots. But your average six year old goes to Instagram and takes it in huge and then the letter B. And yeah, so we had to change that um, after oh, no. learning uh, and saying, oh no, this is bad. Oh, no. uh, and, and we corrected it. So that's. Uh, one of those learning moments about building robots <laughs> for a TV show that are not <laughs> robot related. <laughs> that is phenomenal. <laughs> um, Hijinx Captain Jen Herkenroder has a great question. One that I think we already kind of answered, but it's Jen and she is amazing. So we got to ask it anyway. Um, when you considered retiring huge, what was the compelling idea or turning point that made you change your mind? Um, so for me specifically, um, and a lot of this was buoyed by having tiny huge and having 30 pound huge and having done well with them is on a technical level. And I talked about this a little bit earlier. We knew what huge was supposed to look like, right? It's supposed to spin up fast, chase people, be really resilient, give and take a lot of hits, all that sort of thing. And it it felt like if we built that huge and it still sucked, then that's the meta, that's the game. Let's go buy a boat and stop messing with this. Um, but until we had a huge that did those things, the question in my head was unanswered still. and And that was kind of the nugget of like, the what if and the the drive of like what created 2021 huge. Um, and then the 2021 huge was what was promising enough to, to continue to bring it back. But like, you know, the first few years it didn't spin up right. didn't drive right. We were never done when we showed up all, the, all those things. It never felt like it really reached its, its peak. And I think there's a lot of robots and battle bots that aren't for whatever reason, a hundred percent. But it's just, you know, all the years and all the effort, you don't want to just stop. Like stopping feels like giving yeah. up. And and 
so that's that's how we've ended up doing five seasons is, is it's kind of an always one more because we feel like we have something we want to prove and now it's different now we've kind of proven our point i think a little bit um we, we just want to come back because uh, we're having fun and and huge is pretty good and and we believe in it well and, and we want to crash it into more good robots and see what happens so motivations shift but but that was our our kind of the discussion you know this is all things we talked about as a team at the time it's like do we want to keep doing this and we're like well we haven't seen a real huge do what huge needs to do to win fights so until we see that and it loses we're not ready to be done yet it's uh it's heartbreaking you know to think knowing what we know now like had you hung up the towel and not brought huge back for the season like oh my goodness it, it just to to not for your team to not have the experience of going through what you just did with season seven, like that's too heartbreaking to think about. I'm, uh, I'm so, so, so happy that uh, you stuck it through. And they deserved, you know, cause everyone put in the work over all the years. They absolutely deserve to see huge at that level because they've all built little huges that have achieved those heights before. And, and, you know, if it can win a Noah, it can win a battle bots. And, yeah. And, oh Yeah. Went in Norwalk, so something's different. And we're like, is it the preparation of people? Well, not really, because a lot of people don't have huge configs still. So what's <laughs> what, what, what's different, right? And and what was different was uh, we weren't ready when we ever got there, and it just on a technical level, it wasn't doing what it needed to do. So twice as many weapon motors later, and, <laughs> <laughs> and finishing it on time later, and and that was kind of what made the difference. Uh, all right. Regan Bachelor has another question. Uh, he wants to know what has been your favorite iteration of a huge like design and why is it Billy? <laughs> I love Billy. Oh my God. I don't know if Battlebots would let him have that much foam, um, but I'd love to see. <laughs> Billy. I can't believe I forgot Billy in the, in the realm of huge esque. I mean, it's not huge. It's not exactly huge-esque. It's, it's just its own thing, but things that would have a place in that that meta um i love billy i love all the little huges they, they feel like my my not grandchildren but nephews to some extent um, <laughs> i love watching and, and learning from the things that they do and, and seeing if i can integrate it into my own designs and and just you know learning stuff from them that's, that's the only people i can learn stuff from yeah i can't go watch white force and learn anything so i have to watch their fights really closely and and yeah, I will say there was a little hat, copperhead for their walkout of our fight, <laughs> and I was surprised how good it looked. Oh! So I think that there's a place for hats on 250 pound battle bus. <gasps> Huge can't wear a hat. Have a blade in the middle. I'm just suggesting this for other people. Is that say that Bloodsport had like a little, like backwards hat on it? <laughs> Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Right? Wouldn't it be cool if Bloodsport was wearing a hat? I think that would be cool. So hijinks, right? A little hat in the middle, the backwards hat. I think that that would be hilarious and amazing. So if you want to get into BattleBots, I have a short list of ideas, right? I think BattleBots wants a six-wheel drive robot with exposed wheels because we haven't had one in a long time. I think BattleBots would want something just like blindingly pink. Ooh. And I think that BattleBots would want something with a hat. Those are those are the free tips from Jonathan. Put oh, um, a hat on it. Um, wow, this is really, I think, the most high value interview we've had in a long time. Like, so many. 
<laughs> directly <laughs> add to your uh, design <laughs> application for BattleBots. I love it. Someone taking notes. I've got a big wheel. It looks like Tombstone. There's a hat on it. And it's bright. I've <laughs> into BattleBots now. <laughs> you actually might. You actually might. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no longer building a three pound tiny huge. I am now building that. <laughs> it would get into battle mode. Like if you can go to Noak and go like two and two or above and prove for them that you can build it, it would be hilarious and it would make amazing television and they would absolutely love it. <laughs> um, all right. So we have like six or seven questions left. They're pretty quick, so we can speed round these and let you get on with your evening. Um this has been just a blast. I can't believe we haven't done this since 2019. What have we been doing? Um, but uh yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Lopez has a burning question. What are the craziest things uh, that fans have added huge eyes to and where should people add more huge eyes? Oh, um, the, the tattoos. There's more than one tattoo of the huge eyes. And I don't, I don't know. It's not to my taste as a tattoo, but I don't have tattoos. No tattoos. <laughs> I don't like needles very much. Um, Oh. But but people putting tattoos on their body is extremely flattering uh, of the huge eyes. I can't say I want more um, because you should make your own choices in life, but it's, it's cool. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love putting them on like toasters and, and printers and, and things that spit out CDs and anywhere that, that it lines up well. I think that they're perfect for any occasion. <laughs> I hope uh, that Maddie feels super accomplished and proud of herself that like her design is literally tattooed onto people's bodies. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> I hadn't really contextualized <laughs> it like that. <laughs> so, I think at this point, I mean, it's like from doing BattleBots for so long, you end up achieving some pretty crazy numbers of things. I think at this point, we're at like seven or 8,000 stickers of the eye stickers that have been made. Wow. And and so just the fact that there's that many out in the world doing stuff and at least like four or five that I've stuck onto road signs where there's lots of other stickers. And, you know, I, I remember I went to WPI for a show and they took like a hundred stickers and vandalized a lot of the campus with them, the students. <laughs> this was pre-Ribot. It was just the, the team. Uh, and then I heard that then people got in trouble and they made them take a lot of them down. So, you know. Aw, that's so fun. <laughs> Um, this isn't sticker related, but uh, one time Chris and I were in New Haven, um, I think right by Pepe's Pizza, um, and we saw someone walking down the sidewalk wearing a huge t-shirt, and we were like, oh my god, do we say hi? Like, what should we say? But then we just kind of crossed paths and didn't say anything because we chickened out. But um, Was it one of was us? It could have been one of us. Because we are Connecticut people. I'm more of a modern guy than a Peppy's guy, but um, yeah, I've been to all of them. I like modern better too. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're all good, and and Peppy's gets my money most often because they're they have ones near Hartford where I live. So true, um, true. I actually, go to those, but uh, modern. When I don't know, it's just it's not as busy. It's a little more comfy. Definitely more comfy. Um, if I don't know if you've been to the parties, but uh, that one is in West Haven, so not quite New Haven. But uh, I'm just gonna plug the parties pizza till I die. I'm trying to see. Uh, we went to one. I don't think it was the parties. Um, 
we went to one that was near near Wooster Street, but not on it recently, and had a, a very excellent pizza. I wish I remember the name. Maybe, uh, bar? Uh, they had like a grandma style or something like that pizza. Always good. It was really good. It was next to a, it was next to a, a bakery. We went oh, to nice. So we, went, we went to the bakery, and we're like, well, there's a pizza shop here. <laughs> so we did the New Haven. <laughs> oh, I love pizza. Um, okay. Uh, before I go down a crazy rabbit hole talking about pizza, we're not, we're not hungry. No, I know we haven't had dinner yet. I'm like lasagna, pizza. <laughs> what else we got? <laughs> um, Elaine Milton has another question. Judging from your interactions with the Battle Box windows after a win, are you a hockey fan by any chance? <laughs> oh God, um, somewhat. I I normally bandwagon the Bruins when they're in the playoffs. I, lo- I like hockey. I just can only follow so many sports. Um, so like this season, they had the statistically best uh, regular season and then immediately flamed out in the first round no. of the playoffs. So that was uh, A, relatable, but B, um, <laughs> if I hadn't just got here, I'd be really disappointed right now. Um, but I had just gotten there. Yeah, it's just, you know, there there's no way to easily describe uh, what it's like to be at BattleBots and to be up there fighting and especially when um there's a fight that either the momentum turns quickly or you win faster than you thought or whatever is going to spike adrenaline um it, it's easiest to describe as like you're skydiving and then a buzzer sounds and you're like no longer skydiving and you don't know what to do with all the adrenaline and so we uh i externalize it at nearby solid objects <laughs> and shout a lot um but yeah it's not exactly a hockey reference but it is yeah it looks a lot like when people are going nuts on the glass at hockey i've I've tried to do less of it try to be calmer and stuff but it's just hard you know the moment is it's so there's so much energy in the in the room yeah and calm doesn't make good tv either that too i'm not explicitly doing it for tv but you know every time i turn (laughs) to my team and give them a hug there's a lot of logos on my back that get shown off really good so i think it works out um you know like this was this was our first year there obviously and and one thing i was surprised about was like how they have someone dedicated to taking your transmitters away from you immediately after the match is over. Like you don't get to celebrate. You don't get to do anything. They're right there on top of you, like taking that transmitter out of your hand. Um, We're a little more intense this year than they usually are. Usually they let me dance a little bit, throw up on the shelf or something. (laughs) I think it makes better TV if you do, but yeah, they, I mean, that's the type of thing you got to do though for when, um, you know, when you're trying to get like 20 fights in a day. Yep. It's like, all right, good job. Get out of here. <laughs> we got a TV show to film. Go have some outside. I looked it up. It was a body's pizza also. I pulled I pulled up. Where, oh. Where a body's pizza. Wait. Did you... Yeah. Next to Libby's, Libby's Big Shop. We went to Libby's oh. and then we're like, well, there's pizza here. Libby's is so good. So It's like near, it's near Wooster Street. Anyways, <laughs> we're not hungry here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and i've got tofu waiting for us after this which is uh admittedly very good uh but uh not pizza nothing nothing is um jb park from discord asks when are we getting huge blaze huge blaze uh do you think the big wheels would work on that yes i don't know wait isn't that star (laughs) child isn't that star child I just want more chaos. I think it's 
true. Yeah, that's a good point. It would be it would be quite a bit of chaos. It would be a lot of chaos. Let's hope Sawblaze does not get stuck in huge to the extent where we need huge blaze. <laughs> but I will say we've put the angry eyes on other robots before, and they look great. So I I think Sawblaze could use maybe some big eyes on the front. It could be kind of cool. I mean, the eyes looked pretty great on Copperhead uh, during the tunnel walkout. Yeah. So. They were kind of bigger than Copperhead, but they looked good on Copperhead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny and true. Um, <laughs> huge team member Don Dorfler, who also runs huge at NHRL, has an interesting question. Uh, not self-serving for the team at all, I'm sure. <laughs> Where can I get huge merch at? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, two weeks ago, you could have gotten a lot of huge merchandise at hugebattlebots.com. Now, uh, a lot of people wanted it because we did good. And there's not currently a whole lot up there. So if you want stickers, uh, hugebattlebots.com. I, I, we're one of a few teams that still actually do free stickers if you send us a letter. So that's Aww. what I will plug. Um, if you know we... We've had people before who talk about how, like, yeah, the eBay parts are too expensive. Hats are kind of expensive. And it's like, hey, we want every little kid that knows how to address an envelope can get stickers. So um, we've gotten such an unbelievable amount of nice letters and drawings and art in the the P.O. box that we have. Um, And it's such a positive thing to have. And it's very uplifting to get it. So um, that's worth a couple stickers to me. (laughs) <laughs> you might get extra if you send a letter but uh, yeah so, so we have that on the shop as well just a link to say you know literally every price range from spending a couple hundred dollars on a blade on ebay to a 20 dollar hat versus a two dollar sticker versus free so i love that check out our website i do lots of stuff on there there's meet the robot meet the team we do fight breakdowns for every fight. I, I try and make the website I wanted to read when I was a little kid reading all the BattleBots websites in 2003. So that, that's kind of the energy there. I love that. And again, that's hugebattlebots.com. Make sure you include the word BattleBots. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, Helen Claudio wants to know, congratulations on your amazing year. What's been your absolute favorite fight thus far? And who among the robots you haven't faced yet would you like to face the most? Um, There's a lot of favorite fights that are more deeper cuts of, you know, Sub-Zero was our first ever fight at BattleBots. And there's nothing that will ever match the magical moment of of winning your first fight Um, or getting your first win. I'm not even sure a lot of this year can top the experience of being at BattleBots for the first time. and, and seeing it all and, and being a part of it. But I, I think of this season's fights, you know, the Star Child fight, there is something about the TV edit that, that didn't bring across the the noise of that fight and the number of individual things getting thrown around and, and hitting the walls and tearing off, because like, there's the rivets and the wheels and stuff. So it's hundreds of little metal objects going everywhere. And it was just kind of, the crowd was really into it. I think that was one of my favorite experiences and favorite moments being up there was just how how that fight went, uh, how much fun it was to drive, and the amount of destruction, the lights. Uh, it took like 20 people to sweep up after that. And that that was, you know, talking about moments where we felt like huge could contend. 
that was uh, we were worried about it because Startel could hit us in weird ways, and and clearly we had a good reason to worry about Hammer Sauce as shown later. But that was like a you know this robot's really something kind of moment. Where we're like, okay, this this thing can really do some damage, um, and then just looking at the playoffs from there. Um, so. F- Following up on that, Michael Wise uh, has like, the inverse of that. Uh, what's your favorite loss? And I'll just add to that. I mean, you've had quite a few like spectacular ones, so no shame in uh, in losing. That was um, showing up to this season before we started fighting. They filmed the specials, which a few people saw and are now in Discovery Plus. Oh, yeah. The nastiest knockouts and stuff. And they're like, we really want you to just talk on all these specials and all these fights. And I'm like, amazing. I, I can't. Which fights are we talking about? Well, huge versus Mammoth. Um, huge, huge versus Hydra. <laughs> and Huge versus Ice Wave. I'm like, oh, oh, oh okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Really? <laughs> so I did. I, I did my, my thing. I talked about all of them. And, and all those people got their, their moments, which they all earned and deserved. Um, but... Yeah, of those, I think the Ice Wave fight was the biggest spectacle. And I think the Mammoth fight was just probably one of the more fun fights to be a part of, uh, of the fights we've lost in, you know. Like, like with a lot of robot people, losing is part of it, and it's something you have to be ready for, and a lot of us understand that. Um, so you want to lose right. You don't want to lose to something stupid. And we've lost from just falling in the screws in two seconds, and that's stupid. Yeah. Um, you want to lose to something spectacular or something you had no chance against torn limb from limb, et cetera. And, and so, you know, ice wave and mammoth are pretty up there for making a, a spectacle and, <laughs> and putting on a good show. And it's like, they're, they're, no doubt losses. Those are a lot more, almost more fun in the moment. Obviously I don't look thrilled, but um, <laughs> it's more fun to watch back than to try and explain to people why we can't get out of the screws against reptile or something stupid like that. So this last uh, question here is not a question at all. It's just a sentiment that is shared by many, but specifically this time from Seth Schaefer over at Jessica's Robotics. Um, And he says, thank you, Jonathan, for being awesome and an incredibly welcoming person for any newcomer in this sport to meet. And uh, I know that uh, Chris and I will definitely back that up. I think you're the first person that Chris ever spoke to um you know before we had a podcast before anything um and you were so kind and gracious and uh you know from the free stickers to people who send you a letter and everything else in between you or are people that send you a wheel idea and then you actually <laughs> make it and then show it to them at our walk and it blows their mind <laughs> <laughs> And then also that wheel idea showed up on Wumbo a lot because it works with his design really well and he climbs over people with it and it's <laughs> in the huge averse now. Um, but yeah, thank you, Seth and Chris and Lindsay. It's very, you know, all of the, the outpouring of support from people with the finale and after seeing so many years of us working on this has been completely overwhelming and, and really nice and really appreciated. You know, we, we, that that kind of image in my head at least of of the little kid reading the website is a lot of who I try and keep in mind and and you know how you act when you're on a show like this when you have that platform is is very important for the people like that who are watching and it's how I want to have the website set up to kind of guide people towards the sport towards understanding 
uh, robotics deeper a little bit um, and, and just how I want to treat, you know, new people at events. And I remember meeting Seth. I remember meeting you all at Motorama and, and then <laughs> seeing you at Norak and saying, wait a minute, I remember. I remember you guys. Um, and just the number of people who've, who've for years supported us you, you, from the earliest days where, yeah, that was our quote unquote good years, but you go watch that huge trundle around and, and it, it really is, it's come a long ways. Um, it, it's just been so, so, so heartwarming. And you know, I really appreciate everyone's kind words. Jonathan, you're a gem. That's all, all I have to say. And, you know, keeping the role model you are for the whole sport. Um, and, you know, everyone would be a lot better off if uh, they, they did the same. So um, just thank you again so much for your time. Uh, congratulations on an absolutely incredible season. We can't wait to see you in the battle box again soon. And uh, come to NHRL this June and wave to Jonathan, who will be uh, uh, pit crewing with a couple bots. So, yeah, thanks, thanks again, Jonathan. You're you're just uh, you're a shining star. You're a gem. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's good to be back uh, behind the bots. I always listen and, and I love the podcast. So it's been a lot of fun. You can tell my wheels. You lead them for a meal. You can burn my motors till they're gone. Or you can tell my spinner, you'll have him for your dinner. Or laugh about my lipos on the phone. You can tell my switch, that links are just a bitch. You can tell my forks to scrape the floor. Or you can tell the rev, just what a fool I've been. I won't be showing movement anymore. Don't break my bond, my achy breaky bond I just don't think you'll understand That if you break my bond, my achy breaky bond It might take 